Law and Disorder, the podcast that gets real with addiction, recovery, and everything in between. Hear the 360 degrees with your hosts, Tim, Disorder, and Joe, Law, with guest speakers specializing in every field related to why you just tuned in. Welcome to Law and Disorder, and remember, recovery is possible. Tim and Joe, it's all yours. Welcome to Law and Disorder. I'm Tim. And I'm Joe. Look for us all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can listen to our podcast on Anchor, Buzzsprout, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. We have a topic that we're excited about today because we are coming at it from three different angles instead of two. Yeah, very interesting. And I think this topic is kind of close to you, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, I have personal experience with it. What we're referring to is Narcan. In prior shows, we've talked about how I've uh, been pretty close to not breathing at all. Well, three times a minute. Right. That's not much. That's pretty shallow. That's not much. Right. That just proves you're a fighter, though. Yeah, I didn't give up. No. So, I needed Narcan. I needed that to combat the excessive amount of fentanyl that was in my system. Um, who knows if I had been just chilling at a Barnes and Noble or laying in bed, if I would have never woken up from a slumber that was, you know, imminent at that moment. So I am grateful to have, um, been resuscitated when needed. That said, uh, not everyone is so lucky. I try to do by my part by carrying some around with me because you never know. Right. And on that subject, carrying it around yourself, obviously you've been through it. Multiple times. Right. right. It saved your life multiple times. I believe so. Right. So when Narcan first became a topic, right, with over, when it was related to overdose, it wasn't so common as it is today, right? You can go to the pharmacy and, I mean, just like a couple months ago, they were giving it out for free through a grant. Right. right. So but a few years ago, that wasn't the case, right? Absolutely not. Uh, a few years ago, in fact, I had to go as a deputy to... Lansing, which for those of you that don't know, is our capital of Michigan. And I had to testify. And the reason I had to testify was they wanted to know why corrections officers should be allowed to carry Narcan, right, in the in the jails. Well, it's kind of a no-brainer when you actually work in the field. But my point being was they've gone through this process. And, it, and for them, it's just formality, right? At the end of the day, we're saving a life, potentially. So... For us, it's like we see people come in, they get arrested, they may have some dope on them, right? What do they do? They don't want an extra charge, so they'll swallow it, right? Right. And there you have a serious medical issue, potentially. So your chance for overdose just went through the roof. So now they're in a facility that probably doesn't have the capabilities to handle an overdose. And, and time is, can be very precious, Oh, for sure. Doesn't, we don't necessarily have time to wait for an ambulance and a trip to the ER in situations like these. Right. And there's that scenario, which creates that uh, overdose potential. And there's the other scenario, which when they're being arrested, we don't know what they just used. Right. We don't know how much. We don't know if it was fentanyl, carfentanil, whatever. Whatever the case may be, we have no idea. And 99.9% of the time, they're not going to be honest with us. Not right away. 
right? So that potential for overdose in a facility is extremely high. So long story short, I had to go testify as to why we should be carrying it, right? Uh, it passed relatively quickly, uh, but just the the time frame that we're talking about here, this was like five years ago, right? So now you can walk into a pharmacy and pretty much get it. I mean, they're, they're actually offering it with a prescription, right? If you go to the doctor and that doctor is, we'll say, ballsy enough to prescribe a Vicodin or whatever, you're being offered Narcan, right? So it's very common these days, right? But I think a lot of people do not know how to use it. Right. And still, I think it's a little bit misunderstood. Is it dangerous? Um, there's a lot of questions that people have. Can it be misused? Is it a narcotic? How do you get it? There, I think there's some people are in the know like you and me, but not everybody. And really everybody should be because anybody could find themselves in a situation where they might be able to save a life with it. Right. And it's free. Like pretty much free. It's free. given to. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you have a lot of people, and we've we've touched on this before, and we're not going to go there today, but you have a lot of people that say, okay, Narcan is free, but my insulin is not. Okay, now we're talking two different worlds, right? So that comparison alone is is a tad bit irritating, right? Right. Because you have, and you've said it before, let's just make it all available. Yeah, right? it's not a zero-sum game. Right. It but- doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. Right. And I look at it like this. You're comparing apples to oranges, right? For sure. Because if a diabetic is having heart failure, right? It's not the insulin we're giving them to save their life, right? It's that emergency medical attention, right? right. It, yeah. So you're saving a life, right? So to compare diabetes to someone that's actively overdosed and is maybe breathing only three times a minute, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, you're, you're comparing apples to oranges. So we'll move on from that. And I think it's very important that we get this message out there. Um, I received an interesting text from someone uh, that I've known for quite a while. We'll kind of let her tell her background. But she reached out to me and she had a question. And the question was, how do I get my hands on Narcan? And I automatically knew there was something to it, right? kind of thought about it and I'm like, okay, my response was, I'll get you hooked up, right? So long story short, I know, now I know, I've pieced it together that a person that she went to school with recently overdosed and passed away. And with that, obviously she was looking to see what she can do in case that were to happen while she's in that area, right? Not just for a friend or whatever, for a complete stranger, right? Because I know her, she's very, very a caring person, right? And she does work in a hospital setting. So it was very interesting for her to reach out and say, how do I get my hands on Narcan? And most of all, how do I use this, right? And I think that's a lot of a lot of people's concerns, right? They know it's there. They know they may have a family member that they may have to use it on, right? You may even work in a place that has frequent overdoses, fast food restaurants, usually a parking lot, right? Those type of incidents if people are too afraid to use it because they don't know how or they don't they don't may not even realize how to get it right so we're going to try to do our best right to clarify that so what we did is we invited our guest today to come over on short notice and we're going to run through the whole narcan process we actually have a narcan kit with us and i'm going to let tim kind of introduce our guest okay well welcome to the show ashley thank you for being here thank you for having me 
it is exciting to me whenever anybody expresses interest in this because before I break down exactly what it is and how to use it, I will say this. My brother Andy has literally saved a life with this. He helps people in Detroit. I won't necessarily. That's a story for another show. But it works. It can happen. I know for sure. So this is a very empowering tool for somebody to have. I carry it with me and I have enough that I can share. When somebody uh, lets me know that they're interested in having it on hand, I do my best to provide it for them. There are two kinds of, I shouldn't say two kinds of Narcan, but two methods of administration, right? Right. Yeah. What we have on hand is the nasal spray. That works quicker. Uh, it's becoming more commonplace. There is the, I don't know, would you say injection? How do you... Yeah, it's sort of like an EpiPen, right? So right. I, I think a lot of people are more I'm scared of that. Yeah, they're more comfortable with the nasal spray. Right, because is... they have a hard time believing you actually jab somebody through their pants, right? right? Right. And it works. Yeah. They're hesitant to stab somebody. Right. But a nasal spray is not that like... Right. It's not that bad of a deal, right? Right. And like you said, it does work quick. So it, you have that quick effect where it works almost immediately right although they're finding nowadays that they need sometimes to give more and more of it the drugs being so strong right and by strong we're talking about fentanyl carfentanil being mixed in there and now you're requiring anywhere from three to five i've heard five narcan kits right which is insane that's insane that's a lot they must have been breathing once a minute or not at all right so, with that, we'd like to kind of introduce Ashley to the whole Narcan game, right? Right. So, well, tell us a little bit about why you were interested in this in the first place. I kind of reached out to Joe as an outsider. I don't personally experience this kind of stuff on day to day, but I wanted to be prepared if the situation did arise. I had several questions that... I knew Joe and Tim were able to help me with, so I reached out to them to see what I could do, and here I am. Where did you, where have you heard about Narcan? I mean, obviously, you were at least aware that it existed, right? Where did you first uh, learn about it? Honestly, recently, through school, I took a pharmacology class, and I did hear about it through there. Wow. So, that's that's progress in itself, Yeah, that's actually really cool. Yep. What did, so they, I mean, so you have some basis of knowledge about it. What do you already know walking into this room about it? That the nasal spray is the fastest route. Okay. Okay. So we're clear on that. Right. So a little bit about yourself, uh, your place of employment, right? Tell us a little bit about what, what you kind of do and where you work. Okay. I work at a local hospital and we see all types of people that come in there. So people, when you say all types of people, you're talking about Different extremes. Emergencies from like the ER to elderly folks uh, coming in for surgery. Do you or... see overdoses there? Yes. Okay. Okay. So if you're at the hospital, um, you don't have to worry about it, right? Because there are doctors, there are nurses, but you see it happening in front of you. And right. you know that there could be a situation in your life where there isn't someone on hand. Where you're not at work. You're the expert. Yeah. You're the person who can save the life, right? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with this? Are you going to carry this in your purse? Like, how are you going to, what's your plan for this? That's a huge question. Do you need training? Do you, does somebody show you? Once upon a time, I think 
you did, right? right? You needed prescription. It was kind of difficult to get. Cost like 150 bucks. Absolutely. And you'd have to go through about an hour class, right? And you'd have to sign to receive it. Um, and that's so much more relaxed now because it has become more common. And like I said, we did have a grant recently where the ph- local pharmacies throughout the state were actually handing out Narcan for free, right? So all you really needed was your ID and you signed that you received it and that was it, right? Um, I'm sure the pharmacist would, if you had questions, would would have answered those or whatnot. But it's become a lot more relaxed because of people are starting to see, okay, the more difficult we make it to get your hands on it, right? The less accessible it is when it's needed. So... There's a need for it. Everybody understands that. And I think it's better understood as a tool, right? So people have questions about like, how do I know when to use it? What if they're just dying of a heart attack and it has nothing to do with drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Probably a concern yes. of a regular person. Because yeah. you don't know. You, you're you not diagnosing people every day. No. Right. You just what see if somebody they, turning blue. Right. If they fainted, am I going to kill them? Right. Right. You know, you don't know. Right. Right. So, the good thing about this is it's safe. If you guess wrong, if you use your best judgment and determine that this is likely an opioid overdose, and so you're going to administer the Narcan, no harm, no foul. Right. So, you can roll the dice and you will not lose. Trust your judgment, I would say. Mm -hmm. Chances are, if your intuition tells you that's what it is, maybe because you have a relationship with the person who uh, you think needs it and you know their history. Um safe to assume, right? Absolutely. I, I haven't heard of any cases where Narcan was misapplied somehow and there's some negative outcome, right? Yeah, it's not going to happen. How do you know when you've given enough? When they start breathing <laughs> right. life. So that's right. kind of interesting. Used to be they'd give you like two milligrams and that would get the job done. Right. What I have here in this box is four. And nowadays sometimes, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's enough. Sometimes it's not. But what I do think it is, is at least able to give whoever a fighting chance, right? Maybe you're trying to call 911 and waiting on the ambulance and they can bring another two to four milligrams and finish the job. But at least you're giving them something. Yeah, for sure. And you're not going to, you said it before, you can't do anything wrong, right? Just roll the dice, right? Uh, Your chances of Medically assessing somebody on the street or in a parking lot are pretty slim, right? So you obviously want to you want to get a hold of nine one one to get medical help en route. But if you are carrying Narcan, right, you could possibly be that person, right, to save somebody's life, which will eventually, Tim, for example, multiple times could have been me. Yeah, it took multiple times, right, and now he's he's in recovery. So. When people say, ah, well, I don't want to be responsible for possibly hurting someone or... You won't. You won't. I mean, you You can only help. You got two choices, right? Either they are going through an overdose and you do nothing. So you have just limited their options, right? We're going to move on. Uh, I'm going to hand you the actual package. Why don't you go ahead and open that? While you're doing that, I'm going to ask you a question. It would not be... And I'm going somewhere with this. It would not be gentlemanly of me to necessarily ask you how old you are. Okay. 
So I'm not going to. So you want me to do that? I want <laughs> either you to do that, Joe, or I want her to ballpark it. Because to me, she doesn't look a day over 25, right? Yeah, but I think you say that to everybody, including the young lady at the and Don't put me on blast, man. That's my trick. Okay. So the reason I ask that is because I'm sure you have increasingly heard about friends that maybe you went to school with that have slipped into opioid addiction, right? Things you probably didn't encounter seven or eight years ago when you were in high school that you're beginning to hear more about now, right? Correct. Okay. So when did you, when did it first touch home for you? When did you first hear someone in, like in your life, not on the too distant periphery, somebody you actually knew had a problem? And when, by problem, we're not saying necessarily overdosing. We're saying an actual problem with either opioid pills or heroin or something of that sort, right? Oh, it was very shortly after high school. Group of people I hung out with, one specifically, he has been in and out of rehab, still not doing the best. So, I mean, I learned about it early on. I think that goes to show that it's very, very close to everybody. Like, we've discussed it. People, when you say, hey, who is dealing with someone or knows somebody going through addiction or recovery... And majority of the hands go up, right? And we have to assume that the ones that don't go up, they either are... They just don't know. They just don't know or they're embarrassed. Sure. Because it's a two-way street there, right? So... You popped open that box. Yeah. So you popped the box open, right? What do you see? Describe it to us. Yeah. Explain what you see. Uh, Two different, two separate nasal sprays. But I wouldn't know what to do with them. Okay, so you also have a nasal spray booklet. Booklet directions, right? right. Thank heaven. So if Tim and I's description and uh, directions aren't enough, which I would recommend you read the insert anyway, right? So we're gonna let you take that home with you and uh, call it a good bedtime story. But it's definitely worth reading, okay. right? You see the part of it that would go up the nostril. <laughs> Correct? Yeah. Pretty straightforward. And it's just, you pull down. I mean, it's just simple enough. Have you used like a, a bottle of nasal spray before? Is that too personal? Honestly, no. No, I haven't done a lot of it either. But if I were to go pick one up from the grocery store, I'm pretty sure I would be able to use it successfully, right? Yeah. You just and stick it in your nostril and you shoot. Right. Even with the adrenaline, it's possibly going to be running through you. And you may be nervous, maybe a little bit in shock. Uh, you're you're going to be able to make this function, right? I would think. Yeah. To me, it looks straightforward enough. Right. Do you feel confident? Do you do do you every time do it one in each side? So there's two milligrams. Each one is two milligrams, right? Mm-hmm. So I I don't necessarily think that the nostril you choose matters, right? What you would want to do is just use the first one and see if that began to resuscitate them, right? If they responded to that, if they because they might wake right up. That you might be like, yep, holy shit, they were overdosing and I just saved their life. It could happen that quick. They also might kind of partially respond, indicating that you should go ahead and use the other. Right. Okay. Very good. So let's say you have this in your purse and uh, let's say you go to the gas station, right? And uh, you see someone who just kind of slumped over, right? What would be your first reaction? Like, how would you approach that situation? Well, you would check their pulse, right? Yeah. Really? Because I didn't know. I was actually just joking. But now I know what to do. I, I would check 
check mm-hmm. their pulse, right? Do you know how to do that? Yeah. Really? I'm going to nursing school. I didn't know. I just know <laughs> you work at a local hospital. Yeah. So you're actually like a step ahead of the average person, right? You you have some background with this. You had a pharmacology class that introduced it to you. You have some medical training, at least even if it's in text form. There's really no reason to be hesitant about doing this. Absolutely not. This is like a weapon. We're weaponizing you to fight the opioid epidemic. Everybody, I feel like everybody should have them, like hanging up their keychain right now. They're small enough. They're and, really, yeah, yeah, they're super small. It's like yeah. a, it looks like a kind of like a bottle of whiteout, right? About the same size. Yeah. Do they expire? They do, but, you know. That's a good question. So, the box we have here expires in April 2020. Right. So, you have a couple months on this one. Right? To get another one. Right. Which shouldn't be that hard to come by. I think it was only like six months ago, like every pharmacy in Michigan was just giving them away. Right. And we'll have to see if there's another time like that coming up. I know you can just buy them. Not that I would recommend that because it can be pricey. I think they're around like a hundred bucks. I think they've come down. The nasal sprays. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, like five, six years ago when it first became, you know, known departments and whatnot, police departments, uh, EMS, the funding was an issue, right? Because they were pricey, especially the uh, injectable method, right? Right. So the nasals is a lot cheaper. Pretty sure, don't quote me on this, but we were right around 50, 60 bucks okay. per kit. Before we let Ashley go, I am curious about this. You recently attended a Families Against Narcotics meeting, right? Correct. Something that Joe and I are pretty involved with. And besides being curious about the Narcan, you showed up to that meeting. And I guess I'm, I'm interested in what's making you take these steps because you're not in recovery yourself, right? So what is it? What what drives you to do this? Why do you want to get involved? I just want to help. I know um, I do have family and friends who are struggling and not that I want to, I mean, obviously I want to reach out to them, but I want to be prepared, prepared if they ever come to me. I want to know what to do, what to say. I just want to be prepared and I want to help, you know, anybody that I can just be there. What's helped you like? On that process, what has, like, been the most empowering thing so far to help you be equipped to offer that, that that help you desire to be able to help? Mm, Is it fan? Is it the internet? Are you just doing research? Like, you stumble across something and said, hey, I should probably know this? Or did you witness something? Because we don't see this a lot. Like, most of the people at these meetings are either in recovery Mm -hmm. or someone very, very close to them has either struggling with addiction or lost their battle with it, so to speak. So you're a little bit of an anomaly as far as that goes, which I think is cool. I think it's like actually encouraging because that's what we want. We we're part of the message I think Joe and I are trying to deliver is whether you realize it or not, this impacts you, right? right. <clears throat> this is right in your backyard. In addition, you know, it's, it's rare that someone reaches out to like a law enforcement agency and says, Hey, where do I get a Narcan kit? How do I use this thing, right? Right. Yeah. So that's kind of unique in its own. So I guess that kind of continues on with Tim's question is what kind of made you make that first step? Was it an experience? Was it something that you heard about, stumbled across on the internet, seen on TV? Because uh, I know a lot of people watch TV and they see something and they're like, whoa, you know, that could be a real life situation, right? Um. Well, obviously I reached out to you, Joe. You said mm-hmm. that it would be a good idea, you know, gave me the opportunity to come. And I came and I just, 
like my heart was there. Like I wanted to be there. I You're talking about fan, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted. That was to your be first there. meeting. Yeah. In January. Yep. Yep. And I just knew right then and there I wanted to be involved, do whatever I could, big, small, whatever it was. I just knew I had to be involved. But what what was the underlying uh, reasoning? I guess like what drove you to that point? Is like, there somebody in your life? Is there something that happened? I mean, I like, for- what was the tipping point where you're just like, man, I, I need to, I feel very strongly about this. Family. Family. Yeah. What, and another question I have is when you, what surprised you about that fan meeting? Was there something that you didn't expect because you, it sounds like you walked out of the door feeling even more passionate about it than you did when you walked in. Right. Yeah. So there should, there had to have been something. What was like, what grabbed your attention and was like, w- just literally reeled you right in? Like. Just seeing the progress, just seeing Tim just really made me give something to work towards, I guess I'm trying to say. So it really inspired me seeing him and... Just watching people progress from addiction yeah. to recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And there were quite a few addicts there. Yeah, but there was, I mean, quite a few in recovery. Right. Yeah. And for... I would um, say most of... Yeah. I believe I asked at the beginning of the meeting and there was six that were court ordered. Mm-hmm. But there was more than that there. Uh, so, yeah, to see that that progress being made, that's what sparked you uh, to continue, to want to continue. Yeah. But initially, it was a family uh, member. I mean, we're not going to poke and prod and, and put you on the spot here and be intrusive and whatnot. But obviously, that's the issue that pushed you to want to know more, right? It was. It definitely... The more and more I thought about it, the more and more I knew I had to do something. Just be prepared. What do you? What's the next step for you? Are you going to come back in February? Oh yeah. Do you? Were you ever like? Were there any questions that were asked at that meeting that you were you would have liked to have asked yourself, but you just didn't? Somebody asked your question for you, or was there something you walked out the door wishing you had asked us about? The whole Vivitrol thing. Vivitrol. That's yeah. that blows me away. Like how? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's something that definitely needs to be put out there a little more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are in completely in the dark. And unfortunately, a lot of those people in the dark are people that are either in recovery and struggling, right? People that relapse and family members that hey, you could get on this possibly and and kind of up your chances. Right? And, and you know, just to make that like an even more real thing, two days ago, Joe drove me to my physician like thirty minutes away so I could get my monthly injection. Right, like that's something that I do, and Joe helped me do this month. Yeah, it's it it it's amazing. Like I, I sit here without any desire to use and. That is right, and really strange for me at this point in my life still. Right, and I just didn't want to change the name of the podcast to just Law, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but in all seriousness, right, that's like my part of my perspective of this. We do what we can, and, and Ashley's actually in the same boat I am, right? She's reaching out to gather information. Resources. Outside looking in a little bit. Right. But trying and, to get involved. But she wants to help, right? right. So, so when we can help someone that's in a bad spot dealing with addiction, uh, struggling with recovery, or even just making sure that that recovery continues, right? Mm-hmm. Something as simple yeah. as giving someone a ride, right? No offense, Tim, but I wouldn't have gave you 20 bucks to Uber there, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was more fun to drive with you. Right. So, yeah, and point being, you just want to be prepared 
to be able to either supply information or be a resource or just be an open ear, right? Oh, yeah. And now you have the ability to actually bring someone back who is overdosed. And, and with that being a family member, I'm sure that confidence now that you've kind of opened up the kit, got to look inside and realize, okay, I mean, because the box is, is relatively large for what's in it. I yeah. mean, yeah. So that's kind of maybe intimidating. Like I had to carry this brick or, you know, around in my purse or whatever. And I know Tim carries it in his backpack, for instance. And yeah, I don't think you'll have a problem putting that in your purse. Not at all. Right. So it's a, it's a great thing uh, to have with you when you can possibly save a life, you know, like any life. It, obviously you're here, family and whatnot, but who's to say you won't go to McDonald's for lunch tomorrow and say, huh. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The, uh, a friend of mine overdosed and died in a tent nearby uh, last May. And I do sometimes think, like, man, I wish I could have been there. Not only do I wish I could have hit him with that Narcan, I wish I had known about Vivitrol back then. I, I really didn't. Just like everybody else, I wasn't super familiar with it. But I think if I had encouraged him to do it, he would mm-hmm. have responded and probably done it. And he'd probably still be here today. Right. Along that, you know, I have a question pertaining to that very scenario that you just talked about. So prior to being on Vivitrol, right, do you think you would have been such an advocate for it? Like, would you have recommended it to someone, although you haven't, like, really experienced it yourself? Like, what are the positives of it? You mean, Um, like, before I took it? Yeah, like, if you just had heard about it and said, okay, you heard vaguely that it reduces the cravings. uh, A lot of people don't want to take And Once you're convicted that you want to stay clean, I think you're open to it, right? Right. Once you have that mindset of just whatever it takes, if you have a reservation, there is that whole, man, if I get this injection, I can't get high for 28 days. Is that really something I want to commit to? So there's maybe a little bit of that taking place inside of me. Mm. But like I said, when you're ready, you're ready. And it's a great tool when you are. And I find doing that, you know, we played a voicemail for Ashley before we started recording. And and part of the reason I do that, this is because of how people like reach out privately. I get people that I've known for 20 years who hit me up on Messenger and talk to me about it. And, And you, and even in your case, Ashley, like as people learn that you care about this, I think you'll find, you'll be surprised who, who talks to you about it, who wants to have like conversations privately about it. I think you will be able to help other people. Absolutely. And it's breaking that stigma. And this is how you do that. Right. right. Education, resources. Right. Working yeah. together. Exactly. All right. With that, we're going to wrap it up for today. I'd like to thank Ashley for stopping by. And taking part for in caring. this. Yeah, I mean. Right? Not everybody does, like, for yeah. real. No, we just hope that you are now comfortable with carrying Narcan. You have your own kit, um, your very own. Thank you. Uh, so we appreciate you, you know, coming in and being a guest on our show. Today. Yeah, and just stay on this journey with us. You know, I hope we see you at the next fan meeting. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think you can have a big impact in the community. Absolutely. Good. I'd enjoy that. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll drop another episode soon. I'm Tim. And I'm Joe. And I'm Ashley. And we'll see you next time. Peace. You've been listening to the Law & Disorder Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Google Play to get new episodes. 
please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at ladpodcast.com. Recovery is possible.